0: So I had, uh, you know, a great Amazon affiliate site, and then it went up in smoke through, you know, a Google penalty. And then I did the same thing again the next year. So I learned, I learned the hard way that you don't want to mess around too much with Google. And you know, I was a sloppy beginner. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and this is the Doug Show. So this is a special episode, and I'm cheating a little bit. I've been on some podcasts in the past and I reached out to a few people. One of my good friends, Dom Wells, over at Human Proof Designs, I was on his podcast a little while back. Actually, I've been on his show a few times and I highly recommend you do check out his show, the Human Proof Podcast. I'll, of course, put links in the show notes and all that good stuff. You can look it up, of course. It's super easy to find that. And uh, Dom and his team, they're awesome. I I know a lot of the folks over there, it's a good crew, they do good work, and anyway, I I shot an email over to Dom a little while back, and I was like, hey man, I'm going to do a podcast, would it be cool with you if I rebroadcast some of the shows that I was on with your show, on my show, hopefully that makes sense. Anyway, he said, yeah, that's cool, we're good to go, so this episode is part one of the keyword golden ratio um, series that I did over on his podcast. And you can imagine the next episode of the Doug show is going to be part two. So the keyword golden ratio is a concept that I came up with A couple of years ago, a little while back, and after, you know, turning blue in the face, telling people about it, um, it's kind of caught on a little bit. And part of part of that reason is, well, it works really damn well. And the other one is Dom was cool enough to have me on the show and talk about it. And it, it sort of caught on at that point. And again, I got to turn blue in the face telling people about this stuff. So, so I stripped out like the meaty part of the episode of the interview that I did with Dom. And um, after that, I'm going to answer a few questions related to the keyword golden ratio. Now, it's cool because, um, you know, there's like so many questions that people ask over um, on various channels, right? So like on YouTube or on the blog, or if I bump into somebody on the street, they may ask me, hey, like, why is 250 in the keyword golden ratio? Why isn't it uh, 400 or 5,000 or whatever, right? So why is 250 in there? Some of the other questions I'm gonna answer are, search tools have like different search volumes, so keyword research tools may report different search volumes, and how do we deal with that? How can we possibly use a formula like the keyword golden ratio if the search volumes are all over the place? So I'm going to talk about that as well. And finally, I get uh, you know some questions where people just say, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to publish only keyword golden ratio content forever. What do you think of that?" So I'll give you my thoughts on it. A lot of people uh, want to try and recreate some of the sites that I've done um, as far as publishing a lot of KGR content so I'll give you my thoughts on that like everything there's pros and cons so I'm going to send it over to the interview with Dom Uh, and of course he's interviewing me so it's the sort of my opportunity to talk about myself a little bit more on my own podcast by cleverly using an interview from someone else's podcast so thanks a lot Dom and everyone be sure to give Dom a shout and uh, go check out his podcast, it's fantastic. Be sure to check out the show notes to get the calculator that I use, like a spreadsheet, to calculate the keyword golden ratio um, myself. So it's very helpful. All you have to do is check out the show notes.
1: Doug is someone who I've followed for a couple of years now. So it's been really fun to kind of share this journey with him and see how his techniques and his method and and his own business has grown. And likewise, I'm sure it's been fun for him watching me grow as well. What's really cool about having Doug on the show today is that he's going to share something which is a pretty cool strategy revolving around keywords and keyword research, but you can actually use it as the base for well, for an entire strategy for building your sites around. It's particularly good for those who want to scale a website and for those who want to use long-tail keywords to get hold of large amounts of smaller traffic search volumes early on while your site is still in the sandbox. Doug's actually got so much to cover that we're going to split this episode into two parts so the first part is just going to be about the actual keyword research how you do it why you do it any tools you can use what kind of things you need to look out for and he's also going to be sharing a ton of experience and knowledge along the way and then in the next episode we're going to be talking about how you take all of that keyword research And actually move forward with a content strategy. And again, Doug's got a ton of value to share with everybody there. So I'm not going to waste any more time. We've got some really good stuff to get through. So we're just going to jump in and I'm going to introduce you all to Doug. This is your first proper time on the podcast. I know you recorded like a a two minute thing for me in a previous episode about mistakes made with niche selection. But since this is your first real time on the show, why don't you just take a few minutes to introduce yourself and talk about your history with online business and all of that? Sure. Well,
0: thanks for having me, Dom. First of all, really appreciate it. And I've been a, a reader and fan of, of yours for quite a while. So it's a pleasure to talk to you. I first got into niche sites and I do say niche most of the time. So pardon that. But I got into niche sites about almost four years ago. And I, before that, I had no idea what a niche site was. I never worked with WordPress. I didn't even know what SEO stood for. So I was really coming at it fresh and I, I learned a lot quick. I came through sort of the Smart Passive Income podcast and uh, then through Niche Pursuits. So I think a lot of people end up taking that path. Now, before that, I did have a corporate job. I did project management for a software companies. So after a little while, I actually found that you know, the way I look at projects and systems really helped implement, you know, niche sites and, you know, taking a lot of complicated type blog posts and podcasts and explanations about niche sites. And I sort of put a system around them as I was learning. So that's been super helpful, just the pairing of project management, along with the vast knowledge on the internet about niche sites.
1: Yeah, I think when, certainly when you're a beginner and a lot of people get this kind of information overload and they're not really sure where to start or how to manage projects and stuff, I think project management, it's an area that people don't talk about enough and I don't talk about it much because I'm terrible at it. So (laughs) yeah, I can really see the benefits in actually systematizing your approach and everything. Right, yeah, and a lot of
0: times I, I think... I'm probably guilty of it too, but, you know, as content producers around niche sites, there's only so much information you could provide before it is overwhelming. And then at some point, you know, when someone gets the basics, they can start putting their own systems around it. Well, and to get back to the story, I guess, I quickly started a blog niche site project where I sort of documented the process of what I was doing. That's, you know, pretty standard for a lot of folks in this internet marketing space. And, you know, through that, I've you know done a few case studies. And really, I think it's a, a rite of passage where all good internet marketers have a story where everything was going great and then your site was penalized. So that happened to me pretty quickly. So I had, uh, you know, a a great Amazon affiliate site, and then it went up in smoke through, you know, a Google penalty. And then I did the same thing again, the next year. So I learned, I learned the hard way that you don't want to mess around too much with Google. And, you know, was a sloppy beginner. And, you know, now I have that notch on my belt, you know, I got penalized a couple times. And, you know, now I'm sort of running a clean shop, white hat and i help other folks you know change their sites to white hat as well so that's kind of how i guess ended up at this point right now where i'm building white hat sites
1: yeah i like what you say it's like the first time it happens you feel like all right now i'm a real marketer like i've had my first penguin (laughs) penalty or or manual penalty or whatever it was i kind of feel like i missed out because i don't think i've ever knowing i don't think i've ever been penalized (laughs) without You know, unless I've got a site that's penalized and I didn't know about it. So (laughs) I'm obviously not working hard enough to (laughs) to make Google angry. Well,
0: you know, they say really smart people learn from other people's mistakes. So I guess you're in that class.
1: Yeah, or really lucky people (laughs) escape, I think is probably more accurate. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I've watched, I've probably followed your site a little bit longer than you followed mine, because I guess that's probably how we first... Met because I probably reached out to you when I was first starting in fact, I think the first time I ever contacted you was when I was doing an expert roundup post way back in twenty i don't know fourteen I guess it would have been mm-hmm. so i 've seen your site change and evolve over the years as well and as I mentioned in the intro to this episode, the reason why I kind of wanted to get you on this why you're here today is because I was reading a post. Mm-hmm about, well, you covered a lot of broad subjects in the post, but the thing that stood out to me was when you talked about the keyword golden ratio. And we'll obviously go into that more in a sec. But what really stood out for me was that it's almost, it's like going back to how keyword research was done, sort of like in 2012, when I first started, the emphasis was more about how many competitors you have, rather than the quality. And then I think my keyword research changed when I read the Spencer Hawes Perrin case study, which, you know, so many people read, and I realized the emphasis should be on checking out the page one results and finding areas where the competition is not too strong. And mm-hmm. when this happened I kind of stopped focusing on like the number of competitors. I didn't really care whether there were 500 or 10 as long as I could get onto page one. So it was really interesting seeing you were having success and you developed this technique all around the kind of old school way of doing it. And it's definitely something really cool. So for those people who haven't read the article, do you want to kind of give a brief introduction of what it is?
0: Sure. So, you know, it's the keyword golden ratio. And I think you nailed it as far as being really sort of an old school approach to keyword research. So, you know, a couple things to note. One, I'll explain it as well as I can in words, but oftentimes, you know, a video and seeing it written out will help. So, you know, I do wanna mention, if you go to niche humanproof, slash human proof, you'll be able to check out the video and get a bunch of other like free goodies that will be helpful, I'm sure. So, if it doesn't make sense when I say it out loud, you can check out the video that I have and I explain it in more context. So looking at the origins of the keyword golden ratio, we'll just call it KGR, by the way, for now, a little easier to get out. So I was in a sort of a mastermind group with a few folks. And I'll mention them here just because they, you know, they gave me sort of the root of this concept. So it's Lewis Ogden, Quentin Hamp, Shauna Newman, and Rob Atkinson. So they're in the Sort of blogosphere and niche site area. so you may see them around in Facebook groups and stuff. But they sort of gave me the original concepts for the KGR stat, and I'll go ahead and say what it is, and then you know talk about a little bit of you know where it came from. So the keyword golden ratio is basically the all-in-title like search results, the number. And all in title, if you haven't heard of it, is a Google search sort of advanced term. So it's one of the advanced searches that you can use. And you would type in all in title, which is all one word, colon, and then whatever your search term is. And what it'll tell you is if those words appear in the title, in sort of the meta title of a web page. So it's actually a manual search that you do have to perform in the Google search bar. So you take that all in title number of results and you divide it by the local monthly searches. Most of the time we're talking about, you know, US search results, but you know, if you're looking at another, you know, Google database, then you know, plan accordingly, but the local monthly searches. Now, and I'll say it all together. So it's all-in-title divided by the local monthly searches, where the LMS, local monthly searches, is under 250. And the thing is you want that ratio to be like 0.25 or less. Now, the thing is, when you look at this from you know a higher level, what we're seeing that ratio represents is there are more people searching for a specific term each month than there are results on the internet. So what that tells you is, people are not actually targeting the term in which you're entering. These are typically the long tail keywords that a lot of marketers may just ignore because maybe they followed some different models and approaches where they're looking for high volume keywords. This is the opposite. This is low volume keywords, very low competition. And the the very important thing is, is data driven, right? So There's no mystery involved here. You just, you know, you check the numbers. If it's closer to 0.25, the KGR ratio is closer to 0.25. It's going to be easier to rank for. If it's closer to one or if it's over one, then it's going to be harder to rank for because there are just simply more results out there. Now, I talked a lot and I'm sure you may have a question, Don, because I may have talked over myself a bit there.
1: Yeah, I think I've probably got several questions. I know the answers to a lot of them, so I'm just kind of trying to put myself in the shoes of someone who's never heard of this before, so I'll probably be asking some quite remedial questions. Cool. Actually, first of all, I think when I was playing around with this before, I discovered, and I may be wrong, but I think if you just search for a keyword inside quotations, does it not have the same result as typing the all-in-title string as well?
0: It does not. So if you put it in the quotations... Actually, I've never tested it head to head, but my impression is if you put it in quotations, it looks for that exact phrase anywhere yeah. on the page. And then with all in title, you know, I didn't mention it, but when you do the all in title colon, you would type in your keyword phrase there into the search bar, but you would not use quotes. And the reason why is if you use quotes, then it sort of is a more stringent search and the results are going to be a little bit more I guess, favorable and non representative. So if you do not use quotes, you'll get more realistic results for the KGR.
1: Okay, cool. All right. So that answers that question. So yeah, basically, the idea is someone would search for a keyword. And let's say they find a keyword that has 200 searches a month. And then they go and check out how many results there are with the all in title search term. And then they divide the searches by the result or they do it the other way around? I can't remember. Other way around. So
0: the results of the all-entitled search divided by the local monthly searches.
1: Okay. And then, yeah, so then they get a score of like 0.25 or 0.5 or whatever. And then... Exactly. Essentially what you're saying is if it's like... 0.25 or lower then it's a green light. And if it's like, I think in your post, you said if it's one or higher then it's like a no go. And if it's in between, then like a maybe, you know, not 100% sure.
0: Right, exactly. And, you know, two things to mention, which I neglected to say at the beginning, but when the reason why you would use this golden ratio is to basically publish content that doesn't need backlinks to rank. So when you publish these, and I've had, you know, a couple dozen readers try this and tell me, yes, I tried it and it worked. So essentially, if you find a keyword phrase that fits the criteria and you publish it, it will probably rank in like hours, right? So it'll rank in the top 100 within hours, as soon as it's indexed. And then if your site has a little bit of authority, likely that it'll be in the top 25 or 30. Typically, that's where mine show up. And then as the page ages a little bit and people actually start coming to the page, it'll move up in the rankings. So, you know, that's sort of the reason why you would do it. Now, that's also to say, I also have content on my site where I never use this ratio. It's like a, you know, 10,000 word search per month. And it takes a lot of backlinks, right? So it's a whole different model. It's a different type of content. But for the keyword golden ratio, you don't need links. You publish it, it ranks right away. Most people have never seen that and it's amazing.
1: Yeah, definitely. So actually you touched on something that I want to mention in a little bit later, which is kind of like how these this content fits into the bigger picture of a site overall. You know, before we go too deep with that. How did you come up with this ratio? Like where did two hundred and fifty searches come into play and where did like zero point two five come from
0: i'll i'll try and give credit where it's due if i can remember but you know it's a lot of like skype conversations and chats with some of my friends so the folks that i mentioned before i think you know lewis ogden is the one who mentioned the 0.25 ratio i think the 250 was probably from like shauna and quentin and you know one of the other you know magic things with the 250 is a lot of times when you see i guess like search results if it's over 250 like you just get a dash, right? So if you're looking in your rankings, you don't see any information if it's ranked over 250. So the whole point here is like, if you publish something, it'll show up in the 250. Now, the other part is 250 is sort of like, a, it's a good baseline, right? So the actual number may be closer to 500 for some searches, or maybe it's you know 175 for others. And it's search independent. It turns out there's probably not much value like trying to figure out where that is and just knowing that you have a good KGR stat, you'll be in good shape. So does that answer your question?
1: Yeah, so kind of. I mean, I I get where it came from now, but like presumably, as you mentioned earlier, it's data driven. So people have found that 250 is the number which produces the best results. Like nobody just kind of pulled this number out of thin air. Like it's based on case studies and testing and, and experience. It may have
0: been pulled out of uh, thin air, to be honest with you, and full disclosure. So that was sort of like what people talked to me about. And I have, you know, a couple data points. I have, you know, three data points. So it's repeatable in that, you know, I've done it a few times. I've advised other people to do it, and the 250 holds up. So I have a few data points, but, you know, I, I don't run like tight experiments. So it may have been pulled out of thin air, but it's holding up to the model through all my experiences and you know the post that you're talking about i published like over 200 articles to a specific site and sure enough like you know something like 90 percent of them ranked all of them get traffic you know even if it's only a couple visitors per day but it's highly highly targeted traffic and these are you know buyers keywords they're searching for you know best water bottle for yoga or something like that, like a super specific.
1: Okay, cool. So yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter where the data came from as long as there's proof that it works. And when I first read your post, I researched, I guess, 10 or 11 post ideas for one of my sites. And this was a site that I kind of built the initial, I don't know, 15, 16 words, uh, 16 articles, about 1000 words each. And then I kind of did nothing with the site because it was in the sandbox. So I thought, all right, I'm going to wait four or five months before I start doing my usual link building and stuff. So I published those 10 articles about two weeks ago. And I haven't yet got any concrete results. And 10 articles isn't a huge amount. But from what I can see, like what you're saying is, is true. Like A lot of the keywords are, you know, like it's only two weeks in and we're with a site that doesn't have much authority, but they've kind of debuted in the search results higher than like other articles have. And over the next couple of weeks, as I work on the site more, I'm expecting positive results as well. So I'm definitely going to kind of follow up with an actual post about this. In fact, by the time this podcast goes live, I'll probably have some results to back up what you're saying as well. I hope
0: they do. Yeah. (laughs) you brought up a good point where, you know, this is, the KGR is probably the most useful for people with new sites. Because if you're just getting started with niche sites or internet marketing, you see people with big results. It's usually people that have, you know, been around for a while, the sites that they're working with, maybe they've been around for a while too. So to start from scratch and be able to, you know, first of all, get a a post to rank, say, in the top 50 or so, it's kind of nice. In fact, you'll probably start getting traffic to those if it's, you know, an actual, you know, buyer's type keyword where, or sorry, you'll get traffic and you may get a couple purchases if it's a real buyer's type keyword. So I think, like I said, it's most valuable for people that are just getting started with their site so that they can you know, believe that it actually works because there's a lot of faith when you come in. There's a lot of, you know, smoke and mirrors and charlatans out there that are, you know, talking about certain things. But when you implement their $15 ebook, it doesn't work, you know, so the warrior uh, special offers don't pan out always.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah, like you say, like for a lot of beginners and first time people being able to see results early on is huge because it spurs you on and it like I think what maybe people don't realize is that one of the reasons why a large number of people quit isn't because they don't believe that what they're doing works it's more that they don't believe that they can make it work it's like doubt in yourself rather than doubt in the system so you know if, if there's a way that beginners can see positive traction early on then I'm all for teaching it to them and on the note of beginners as well another reason why this keyword research method is so good is because beginners can do it it's not subjective like when i was learning how to use longtail pro and how to analyze search results you can rely on the kc score to to help guide you but you can't you know really do keyword research that way until you know how to really analyze page one, and how to tell, well, is this site strong competition? Is it weak? Is it an e-commerce site? But what you've developed is a way for anyone who can find the search results and has access to Google, they can do this this method. So it's, yeah, I think it's fantastic. Thanks.
0: Thanks. You know, the other thing to add, you mentioned, you know, Longtail Pro and the KC number, and most keyword research tools do have some component of competition analysis and my my thought is they kind of suck right so in general like it's a crutch those stats are based on approximations from other tools that are approximations of other data right so i'm being sort of abstract but essentially you know a lot of times the keyword competitiveness in whichever tool that you're using is based on stats from Ahrefs, Majestic, Moz, some other company, and those are all just approximations of you know segments of data, and it's a crutch because people think that they could rely on those stats, but they don't really know where they come from. Sometimes that information isn't even disclosed. Often it's not. And the reality with the keyword golden ratio is there's not really a tool that'll do it for you. I think. There used to maybe be one uh, years back before my time. I'm not sure if it's out there anymore, and I don't know the name. But basically, the barrier to entry for the keyword golden ratio is sitting down and doing the work and typing in these manual search strings to see like what works out. Now, it takes a little while to get started. But once you find some, you'll find sort of pockets of great keywords. So it does take time to get into it. But you're only limited by your effort, which is cool because in other ways, you know, if you're using Longtail Pro, everyone has the same data. This is a way that you can get your own data where no one else has it. Huge competitive advantage.
1: Yeah, that is huge. And also most people who use Longtail Pro, like you said earlier, they're just completely ignoring any keyword with less than 250 searches because they've been trained to search for the bigger ones, like 1,500, 2,000 so that like even if I hadn't seen results and I would know that just from the theory alone that what you're saying makes sense because I know that people ignore these keywords. So I know when you did your initial post you told people to use the Google keyword tool like the free keyword tool to get the search volume but unfortunately you know, since then Google has changed how it displays it and so I feel maybe that's not going to I mean, it's going to give you a range. So that kind of scuppers using that. So do you have any tool that you recommend people use instead to get the search volume? Right now, I'm recommending a
0: tool called Keyword Keg. So it's sort of like a startup, you know, keyword research tool. I don't have any affiliation with them or anything like that. They seem to be sort of the new kid in town, the cheaper version as well. Good functionality. But I was going to say, I mean, any keyword research tool that gives you good data, you know, You could use that one. If you have a preference for, you know, KW Finder, Keyword Revealer, Longtail Pro, the tool is arbitrary just overall. Do you have a favorite, by the way? What are you using these days?
1: I'm using SE Cockpit. Again, I don't feel like it's necessarily superior to others, but it's because when I first started scaling human-proof designs, Longtail Pro wasn't cloud-based. And I have like um, 15 different team members who need to log in and get access to keyword data. So we needed something that was cloud based so we could all just log into the same account. And we like it, so we stuck with it. But like you say, like any keyword which is good is worth it. I really like being able to give people a free option and a paid option and it just I feel like right now there aren't any free options out there, but there are keyword tools that offer a free trial. So that's one useful thing. But at the end of the day, if someone is serious about making money, then they really need to invest a few dollars in a keyword
0: tool. So. Sure. And I actually have two recommendations for, you know, people getting started because, I I mean, I'm not adverse to spending money on tools if they're worthwhile. But, you know, if you're just starting out, it's hard to justify some of these costs. And there's some high pressure tactics to, you know, buy a full year of a certain product for hundreds of dollars, which, you know, isn't great. So I'll give you two options that you can do some workarounds to you know make it free one is keywords everywhere have you heard of this one dom
1: i might have done like to be honest there are so many that I'm, <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna say yes
0: okay so it's pretty cool it is a free chrome plugin and it will show you the search volume and i think the cpc for keywords in the like google search results screen it'll show if it in like uber suggest the google search console and so on it's pretty cool it gives you a lot of data and my understanding is it hooks up directly to the like google api so that's one sort of option to just like keep it free there's more manual stuff that you have to do but you can technically You know, get a spreadsheet or a CSV worth of keywords and then dump it into a like mass keyword search results, I guess, function in keywords everywhere. And it will give you a spreadsheet with that information. So that's one that's free. The other option is to just, you know, realize that you probably only need to do keyword research for like a month or two. If you're doing more keyword research than that, then you need to stop and start publishing data and doing some other stuff. So it's not all about keyword research. So you can just buy, you know, get one of these tools for a month and use it and then get, you know, the few hundred keywords that you need and then move on with your life, start publishing content or getting backlinks.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Like it's kind of the same when I teach people stuff about SEM Rush. It is quite expensive, but generally you can get a one month free trial I don't know if you always can but I've seen one they've got one around somewhere so I usually tell people if you just reverse engineer all your competitors for a month then you know you're going to be good for the next six months and then when your site starts earning you can go back and invest in SEM Rush because you've got the budget and like that's the same kind of thing with using uh, Mm -hmm. keyword pre-keyword tools yep alright so we kind of know how to find these keyword uh, KGRs (laughs) I keep yep. wanting to say, like, Ks and all sorts of things. But, like, typically does, what kind of keywords does this produce? Like, can you find money keywords or is it all going to be, like, 10-word sentences? <laughs> like, because a lot of people think long tail means it has to be really long. And as you reminded people in your post, that's not where the term long tail comes from. So can you find keywords that, you know, you want to find by doing this?
0: Yes. So in short, yes, you definitely can. There are just as many, you know, informational type keywords as there are buyers keywords. So it just depends on, you know, what you're looking to do. So sometimes it actually, it does make sense to, you know, generate the content that maybe is an affiliate based. Now I'm all about Amazon affiliate and Amazon associate type websites. So that said, the majority, especially in this case study that we're talking about, the majority, say 75 to 80% of the content was in fact affiliate based. So, you know, I'll just stick with the, hopefully, you know, it's not anyone's site, but I'll stick with the arbitrary example that I came up with, which was like best water bottles for yoga class. So obviously, right, that is a person who's interested in a, you know, a specific item that they're probably going to buy. And the thing that you may find, you know, you type in best water bottle for in just the Google search bar, all of a sudden you'll start seeing, you know, auto suggest pre-populating lots of different terms that actually show you what other people are searching for. And sometimes there's like a keyword volume of zero. But if Google told you that people are searching for it, then that's one that you can go for.
1: Yeah, definitely. And especially these days when for every keyword that your site ranks for, there's going to be about 10 or 15 other ones that Google didn't tell you about. So like just these really obscure ones that are related. Yep. I remember once I wrote an article targeting straight razor versus safety razor, and it did rank number one in the end for that search term. But when I looked at the actual inbound traffic, There were so many different queries that were related to that, but I just never would have targeted. So using something like Ubersuggest is really good for that. Or just manually using Google Instant. Okay, so next question. Actually, no, it wasn't a question. Yeah, it was when I do affiliate sites, like Amazon affiliate sites as well, I definitely like, I don't think you can have too much informational content. Obviously, you want to have content that is gonna make you money but like if I only found 10 articles that were money articles I wouldn't just have a 10 page site I'd have like a 50 page site and if 40 of those pages are informational Mm -hmm. that's fine by me because it's gonna help me rank and it's gonna get traffic which you can use internal links and stuff to actually send to your money pages anyway so I'm definitely keen on any keyword tool that finds a mixture of right any keyword method rather that finds a mixture of terms that's fantastic it's just I, I was thinking there'll probably be some people listening to this thinking, yeah, but I need money posts. And what you're saying is like they'll get that too. So that's even better.
0: Yep. Yep. So it's really whatever your site needs, you should be able to find it. And you know, I think what you mentioned is is really important where you can really help your site by having more informational content. You know, I'm I'm probably guilty of this too and need to add more informational content, but that interlinking, you know, throughout your site is super important I think especially if it's you know content that actually gets a little traffic that will you know help distribute that traffic through your site keep people on your site a little bit longer looking at more pages and just engaging with your content more is that's always a good thing
1: yeah absolutely there's just so many intangible benefits that it's just worth doing you know regardless of whether you think it is or not <laughs> yeah okay so I'm guessing, like, as we kind of talked about earlier a little bit, this is a method really for a site that, you know, you would use it once you've chosen your niche and you've kind of got your site started and you want to use this to scale the site and flesh it out and get more long-tail traffic and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, how does this method kind of fit into an overall site structure? Like, you still have the kind of more traditional keywords that you've researched doing sure. more traditional ways? or
0: I do. Yeah. So I kind of like a, a blend of two approaches. So the first approach, I'll tell you about the two approaches and then exactly how I do it. But, you know, you mentioned the sort of the niche pursuits model. I think a lot of folks, you know, followed those case studies back in the day. I even named my site after <laughs> after yeah. the project. So thanks, Spencer, for that. The thing is, those sites are typically around like the bigger keywords, right? So let's say they're targeting keywords that are, you know, 2,500 searches per month or more up to, you know, something like 10,000. And those type sites are, they could be hugely profitable, but the sort of runway to get to that point and lift off is, it could be quite long because the competition is really tough. It turns out when a blogger like, talks about an exact model to do something a lot of people do it and that's what happened so it's much more competitive than it used to be and with google algorithm changes it just takes a little longer foresight to rank or sorry a page targeting a large keyword volume like that to rank so i still use those right so those are great keywords they're great for a long-term goal the other sort of model that i've blended with is one where they don't use any backlinks they sort of use this low volume sort of keyword search volume and they publish a lot of content and they don't do any backlinking they just publish lots of content all the time and that's a very successful model as well now the benefit of that is obviously you don't have to build backlinks and when we go back to that other model where it's much more competitive you have to build backlinks so it can be more profitable a single article can be Extremely profitable, but it has to have a lot of backlinks holding it up. And then the other model is just an extreme version in the opposite way. So I've blended the two where I have, say, five posts that are targeting these pretty competitive keywords, large search volumes. It's a long-term goal to rank those kind of pages then what I've done is, you know, like I mentioned, I published about 200 articles. It wasn't all at once. It was over about five months or so. So, you know, it was a slow sort of process at first. And then once I built up the team, I was able to scale it up and publish a lot of content pretty quickly. But essentially I have these other, you know, 200 posts that I don't have to build backlinks to, but it gets traffic and it really pushes like the overall site income up. And for example, in December of 2016, my site made close, it was just under 15,000, right? So just in one month, made 15,000. And, you know, the majority of that, I credit to this keyword golden ratio. Now, the other pages that have a higher search volume, well, they made a lot of money too, right? So they made the majority of the money, but you know, 40% of the revenue was through keyword golden ratio and 40% of 15,000 is still a lot. And that's still a successful, you know, site. It could have been a great, you know, great revenue for a site with basically no backlinks.
1: Yeah, that's, um, I mean, first of all, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. But yeah, I like what you're saying. And I think it kind of represents when I first discovered this technique, it kind of represents how I imagined I would build sites moving forward it's kind of like a two-pronged approach so the benefits of it are you know first of all you've got these big money keywords that maybe have like 4,000 searches a month but they might take you a year to rank for and if you're just targeting them and you're a first-timer who is kind of desperate to see results you're gonna you know almost I mean if you don't quit (laughs) after nine months of no results then you know, fair play to you. But I see so many people who do. So what you're doing is you're allowing people to kind of see success and start making money in the meantime. And then by the time they get to eight months or nine months, they almost don't care about that big money keyword because, you know, they've got all these other ones coming in. And then they might say, hey, I'm on page 10 for that position 10 for that keyword Mm -hmm. and then at the same time when you do do link building but maybe you're not doing it as aggressively because you've got these kgr keywords it's also going to transfer to the fact that while you say you don't need backlinks for these posts building backlinks to your site in general and to your other posts is still going to increase their chances of ranking because your site's authority is going to go up it's almost like guaranteed that they're going to rank.
0: Yes. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, it's the way that, you know, beginners can get started to get the small wins, right? You need small wins at the beginning, or you're just going to quit. And, you know, there are case studies and or, you know, people giving advice where they say, you know, if you're launching a site, you need to publish, you know, 40 or 50 articles before you even, you know, launch. 40 or 50 articles is crazy. That's a huge amount of content for you know, a beginner. And, you know, if they actually accomplish it, again, like you said, kudos for them. That's a lot of willpower to, you know, power through that and make the investment when you really are not sure about, you know, the model. And I have a course that I I do. And in the course, we look at sort of a project management approach where we use like ideas from agile project management. So we do sprints of work where, Kind of like you mentioned, Don, like you publish 10 articles. Well, we say publish 10 articles, then go out and promote those 10 articles for a while. Go out and guest post, do some other activities for promotion, and then, you know, come back and then you publish a little bit more. The big thing is if you go and publish 10 articles, do promotion, those 10 articles can go ahead and start getting traffic and go ahead and start earning money, even if it's only, you know, $25 a month at first that'll ramp up over time and it's the small wins that'll keep you going because like you said the willpower is tough and you know people can be persistent but at some point you know there's other external factors like you know family and friends are asking you why are you still working on this website you know i thought it was supposed to make all this money and you're still publishing content because i you know i've heard it myself too back in the day So I guess I'm going on a tangent, but I think, you know, you're right on the point there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a slight tangent, but it was all useful for people to hear. I think it reminds me of several of my first successful sites. I kind of had laser targeting for specific keywords and I'm just focusing on them and thinking, why aren't they there yet? And one of them was the shaving site I've shared quite a few times. I was trying to rank Best straight razor and I think it got about 2,000 searches a month so it was one of those proper mm. keywords and it was like okay this month it's on position 18 and then a month later it was position 16 and a month later it was position 12 so it was getting there but it was now like four or five months later and I was kind of thinking when am I going to get to page one but hmm. in the meantime I had these other posts that were they probably had the kind of keyword golden ratio applied to them even though I hadn't researched it that way. They were just these like low-hanging fruit keywords yep. and they had found their way to page one and were bringing in like a thousand visitors a month and I hadn't nice. built a single link to them and I just thought, oh, and then I went and optimized those pages and my site suddenly started making like $500 a month and I was just thinking, oh, right, and then so I just found more and more and more of these posts And built links to my homepage or to other, like I spread the links around a bit. And by the time I did get to position number two, I think, for best straight razor, by the time I got there, I almost didn't care about that particular keyword. And so it's really good if you do have this kind of, you know, like you're attacking from multiple angles because you're covering a lot more bases as well. Absolutely. If you do find a keyword where... You can never rank because another one I targeted was best safety razor, and maybe because that was the one Perrin had the most success with, it was a lot more competitive <laughs> and no matter how many links I built, I just couldn't get past position twelve and you know i was I felt like if I built any more links, I was going to get the whole site penalized so luckily, sure. it didn't matter because i had I'd spread my keywords so broadly all over the the internet or all over the site that it didn't really matter. So that's another added bonus of this is that even if only 70% of your keywords rank, that's a huge number of keywords that you can find success with.
0: Right. Yep, exactly. I guess one other point is like the interlinking. So, you know, I didn't emphasize it before, but you mentioned it a couple of times, you know, for all of these 200 articles, they are, you know, all interlinked with three other articles. So it creates a nice web, a nice sort of ecosystem of links coming into your site and then spread all over the place.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what a good quality website is anyway. I think Google knows that good websites have good internal linking. So it's probably a higher ranking factor than people
0: give it credit for. Yeah, and compounded over you know 200 articles, it must have helped.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I think this is a good position to kind of start talking about the actual content and how you structure a site once you've finished all this keyword research how you then take those keywords and turn them into posts so because this episode is getting pretty long we're going to end it here and then in the second episode we're going to continue with a kind of focus on content so we'll see you in the next episode
0: Now we're moving on to the question section. So first one is why 250 for the local monthly search volume in the keyword golden ratio? That's a pretty good question. And I I field it all the time. Like it's one of the most common questions and another form that it sort of comes in is I found a great KGR term. It's, you know, it's 0.2. The search volume is, you know, 4,000. And that doesn't, it's not going to work out the same. It doesn't follow the formula. So 250 is very important. Let me explain a couple things about it. So number one, if you're new to trying out the keyword golden ratio, I highly, highly recommend that you stick to the formula. You apply it exactly how I describe. So you want the ratio to be below 0.25. You want the search volume to be 250 or under and just give it a shot. If you're just starting to try it, you don't want to you know, take liberties and just kind of go off on your own. Otherwise you may as well just you know pick whatever keywords you want and don't say that you're going to you know try to use the KGR. So 200, 250 is sort of a lower search volume. And I think you get a couple benefits from that. So one of the benefits is there's fewer people going for those keywords. A lot of people, when you are looking at keywords that are generally equal, let's say, one of them has a search volume of 1500 and the other one has a search volume of 150 most people are going to pick the higher search volume because it is implicitly like more profitable because more people are searching for it you can get more traffic that way and more people are going to go after that because we are greedy right like A lot of us are doing this for money. Sure, it's a fun little hobby, but we're doing this to earn money. And the other the other thing with the money aspect, even if we're we're not trying to like just take money hand over fist, earning money, pulling in revenue is kind of a good measuring stick. So if you're making a little bit more money, it's a sign that you're doing something right and that you're successful in the goals that you've set. Okay. So there's less competition at the lower search volume terms. So that's good by itself, less competition. The other part is something that anecdotally seems to make sense. I haven't done tests on it, but generally, it seems like if you go after these lower volume search terms, you're able to rank them more quickly. There is uh, rumors of a Google sandbox period where maybe you you can rank in Google, you'll show up on Google within a few weeks, but it may be a, a very slow progression to rank higher. So you may be able to rank, say, a 5,000 uh, search volume term in the top 50 within a couple weeks, but it, it is very unlikely that you'll be able to move into the top 10 or the top five within you know six months with a brand new site. Now, if your site's been around for a while, if you have a bunch of backlinks, then you may be able to, you know, rank more quickly. There's tons of caveats out there, but in most cases, people either have a new site or they have a site that maybe hasn't gotten a lot of love or attention over the past you know, few months or a couple years or whatever. So when you're going after a lower search volume term, it's highly likely that you're gonna be able to rank more quickly than a higher search volume term, everything else being equal. All right, now I say everything else being equal. It's never equal. Um, there are too many variables in this every situation, every scenario, so in general though, you're probably gonna be able to rank more quickly with a lower volume search term. So that's why 250 is there, it comes into play. Um, just on a practical level, you'll probably be able to rank more quickly If your site's young, if your site's old, whatever, if you're publishing a new piece of content, you'll probably be able to rank more quickly if you're going after a lower search volume term. Test it yourself. You know, I could be wrong in certain situations and certain niches may be a little bit different and all that stuff. But in general, that's my observation. Next, when you apply the numbers, when you calculate it out, all right, so let's say The search volume is 250, right? The search volume is 250 and you want the KGR, the ratio to be 0.25 or below. When you multiply that out, you know, you, you, uh, you play with that formula, you see that the number of results in the all in title would be like 62.5, about 63, So that means if it's 0.25 and you're at the maximum search volume that I'm saying to use for the KGR, that means you're only competing against about 63 other pages on the internet where someone is intentionally targeting that term. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't pages that are, I guess, trying to rank for that term on a secondary level, but there's no other you know, there's only 63-ish different pages on the internet that are using that term, that keyword phrase in the title. So that is why it's powerful. Now, there have been some, uh I don't know, I guess theories uh are called like the rule of 63 based on what I just said. And basically the idea is to go after terms where, um, there's only 63 results in the all in title, 63 or less, I think. And then it, they, the theory is you can go after search volumes as high as you want. Now, if you remember what I said um, earlier, as far as like being able to rank more quickly for terms with a lower search volume, I think that holds up, all right? So I, I don't think the rule of 63 flies. I think if you did um, some testing on that, with brand new, fresh sites, you'll see that if you're going after a term that has 5,000 searches per month, it's still gonna take you a little while. And if you go after um, you know, lower search volume terms, it's going to be faster. Now, like I said, I haven't done specific tests, but I know that my students that are going through the five-figure niche site course, when they are ranking quickly, it is for low search volume terms. And uh, I recently was working with a couple students They had, I think they launched their sites with about 20 pieces of content and basically one or two of the terms ended up in the top three. I know at least one of the terms was in uh, the number one position within about four to six weeks. No backlinks, no backlinks at all. Moved up to number one and it's pulling in the most traffic, which is pretty cool. All right, next caveat for a 250 is This is a, uh, you know, it's a pretty strict formula and I created the formula to be uh, very simple, not too many variables, and I wanted it to be like universal, like universal, right? I wanted people to be able to use it whether they were using, um, you know, fill in the blank keyword research tool, all right? And we're going to come to that in a second. So anyway, it's an aggressive formula. It's written that way for a reason. If you want to experiment with it, go for it, test it out. However, like I said, if you're just starting to use the keyword golden ratio, stick to the formula at first, at least for the first 20 pieces of content that you're coming up with using the KGR. And then after that, you can, you know, run some tests, start experimenting and that sort of thing. Next question is closely related. So a lot of keyword research tools have different search volumes reported, and I'm telling people to use a formula, use the keyword golden ratio formula. I'm telling you to be exact, stick with 250, you want it to be under 0.25, I'm pretty explicit about what you should do to use the KGR, however, it's brought to my attention, and I know this, um, that these tools have very different search volumes. And here's the deal. The formula is quite aggressive. All right. It's very aggressive for a reason. Part of it, part of that reason is all these search, all these keyword search tools have different algorithms they use. So, so at best you're getting an estimate, even Google, right? So Google they have all the data, right? They have all the data for the number of searches, and that is still an estimate. So typically, like in the past, they were providing like a 12-month average on the Google side. And by the way, if you're just using like the keyword planner and you're not running ads, you'll just get some big range, like uh, I think it's like a magnitude of like 10, right? So you, you'll you get a range that's basically useless. It'll say like 10 searches per month up to 100 or you know, 10,000 searches up to 100,000 searches, so it's pretty much useless unless you're running ads. There are a lot of keyword research tools you can use. A free option is Keywords Everywhere. It's just a browser extension, but it does the job. By the way, I have a few videos out on YouTube. I'll put some links in the uh, show notes, but I go over a couple tools that you can use. And in my opinion, it doesn't really matter what tool you use. It really doesn't. Just pick a tool and stick with it. Now, as I mentioned, each one of the different tools has a different algorithm that they use. So I'm just going to make up some uh, hypotheticals here, but I'll mention some tools that I like. So let's say SEMrush uses like a a 12-month average, but Ahrefs uses a 36-month average where you're going to end up potentially with uh, some pretty big differences there, especially when you're looking at lower search volume terms, where a swing of like a hundred searches per month could be, you know, 50 or 80% or 180% of the search volume. So the point is pick a tool and use that tool. What it'll do is give you an idea from like one keyword to another. If a certain term gets more searches than the other one. So on a relative sense, you have an idea of like what gets more searches or what doesn't get more searches. So as I said, pick a tool, stick with it. There are free options out there. There are some paid options and before too long, um, I will be putting together you know, a list and like an evaluation, a review of different keyword search tools that I use and uh, some pros and cons. So as I mentioned, Keywords Everywhere, free tool you could use, and um, it's just fine. I use it a lot. The next question is kind of a statement, but I get this one uh, pretty often too. And and part of it's my fault. Actually, most of this is my fault. I've done a couple um, case studies where I've just published a whole lot of content. I published like 200 posts at, at one point on a site, and then another time I published about 100 another time about 150, um, and then another time about 300. So I've done this multiple times because I wanted to stress test and I I guess test for the effectiveness of the keyword golden ratio. So so here's the statement in question. I'm planning on publishing keyword golden ratio terms. I wanna do 200 posts just like you did, Doug, and I'm gonna see how it goes. I'm gonna do it over the course of a year, blah, blah, blah. Or the other portion of this is I found a whole bunch of keyword golden ratio terms and I'm planning on publishing um, hundreds of them. And I'm not sure if I need to keep publishing content ongoing forever, basically, or if I could stop at any point. So again, part of this is my fault for telling people about the keyword golden ratio, telling about talking about the effectiveness, and telling people about the case study. Because if I did this in a vacuum, no one would know, all right? No one would know, and they potentially would be, you know, following some other method, of which I'm sure there's endless numbers, right? I'm not the only person out there talking about this stuff. All right, here's the deal. You got to do what fits um, your objectives. Um, Number one, I could tell you, you do not have to keep publishing forever. That's bananas That would be, um, that would just be a job, right? So, the way I like to work personally is exactly what I described before. I like to come up with some project. I like to put a, a system around it, put a framework around it, come up with a system to execute it, and then just do a shitload of work for X amount of time. You got a finish line ahead of you, and then I drive to the finish. Now, a lot of people, try to flip the framework on this and say, all right, I want to publish 200 articles. I want my goal to be, um, you know, $10,000 a month. All right, so, and then actually they flip it over a a little bit harder than I just mentioned here. I I don't know what analogy I'm trying to make here, like a flopping fish or something like that. But the point is people are like, all right, I want to make $10,000 a month and then they try and figure out how much content they need to publish. Now, I, like I mentioned, i published hundreds of posts using the keyword golden ratio, and I'm a, I'm a data guy. I like spreadsheets, and it would be great if I could tell you some relative ROI on a keyword, um, amount of content, expenses, and have an understanding on how much it'll make on the back end truth is? I have no fucking idea. I, I don't know. Could I try to calculate that? Possibly. I don't think it's very valuable though. So let me explain why. The, number one, it, like tracking it would kind of be a nightmare. And to track it properly, you would have to track properly from the very beginning. So before you even start, you'd have to set up a way to capture the analytics in an accurate way, the other part that is, you know, not very effective is, or at least it would be hard, is um, let, let's say I'm tracking clicks to Amazon. Well, clicks to Amazon don't necessarily mean that someone's making a purchase. Yes, we could track um, the clicks to Amazon and then the revenue on the back end and have you know a correlation between the clicks to Amazon and then the earnings and all that stuff. But like I said, you have to set up the analytics on the front end before you do anything. It's not trivial. At least I don't think it's trivial to set up the analytics properly. So I never set up the analytics properly. The other portion that falls apart when you're trying to come up with ROI is on a short timeline, the ROI might be X, but on a longer timeline, and let's define short. So let's say you're looking three, six, nine, 12 months out, right? A year, let's even say 18 months, all right? We're going year and a half out. What's the ROI on one piece of content? So we could come up with some assumption. We could test it. We could figure figure it out. However, let's say instead of an 18 month period, let's say you're looking at four years. Well, after you earn money right after you hit the ROI for like that one piece of content and you're even and now you're making money, all the money you make in the future now accounts to the ROI. So if I came up with some ROI value after six months, it would be some value. After 18 months, it might be 3X. And after uh, you know several years, it might be you know 14X or something like that because it just keeps earning. And what if I sold the site? If you sell the site, you may be able to capture future earnings as well. Now, you gotta pay taxes on all that stuff, but the point is, calculating the ROI was never super interesting to me. What is interesting is setting up the system, figuring out how to execute it over time, and enjoying that portion of it. I was chatting with um, my friend Evan, and he um, has been a success story on the YouTube channel. I recently did an updated interview just to see what's been going on. And he's making about seven, 8000 per month, at least uh, currently in January of 2019. And um, he too sort of echoed what I mentioned just now, which is he enjoys the system. He enjoys the work. And there, there are several people that, you know, they may say, you know, Come up with a goal, figure out the ROI, and you know, do it that way. Be goal oriented, but I'm more system oriented. I like setting up the systems. I like figuring out how to hire like just the right number of people, working with the right number of people, and then finishing up the project. All through my career in the corporate world, I was doing project based work. I was never in a uh, sort of maintenance or operations role where. I was like constantly doing maintenance on servers or anything like that. That seemed very boring. Um, Sure, every now and then there would be uh, some new software update or something like that. And like I said, I I just ended up doing project-based work, not ongoing support. Not as much fun in my opinion. And um, as far as the goals, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I try and set goals. It's great to earn, you know, X no- number of dollars per month and all of that, but it's really hard to figure out in an accurate way how much you're going to make based on, you know, a huge amount of work. For example, actually let's go outside internet marketing. Let's say you open a restaurant. Let's say you need to get a loan for, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, half a million bucks or whatever depending on the restaurant and you're trying to figure out the ROI on like paying for the building and buying, uh, you know what food products trying to figure out the ROI to get like a big, um, I don't know, like set up a big bar or something like that. It's really hard to come up with anything. I mean, you have some expenses set up and by the way, I'm not a finance person, so I don't know how you would actually set up such a business plan exactly, but I mean, you have some infrastructure stuff that you just have to pay for. And then after that, um, like paying for ads or more food or working with other companies or something like that, it's really hard to calculate the ROI. You can make some assumptions and then you got to execute it. You have to do the work and then figure it out from there. Don't forget, you can get my kgr calculator which is a spreadsheet makes things a little bit faster for you to calculate the kgr and just check out the show notes so pretty easy to get in the next episode we're going to talk about what to do after you find all these kgr terms so again I'm leaning on my buddy, Don Wells, so be sure to check out the Human Proof Podcast. But he did this uh, part two of an interview with me, and that's what we're going to publish next time. Additionally, I'm going to answer several more questions about the KGR. If this was your first episode, awesome, glad to have you. Please do uh, subscribe, and it would be awesome if you took a few minutes to rate and review on iTunes or whatever you're using to uh, listen to this podcast. It would be fantastic. Really appreciate it. They tell me that it really helps with, um, you know what, I don't know what it helps with some kind of rankings or something like that on iTunes, but you know what? I have no clue, but it helps other people see that you enjoy the podcast. And if you do, I would appreciate it. If you left a review, you can tell your friends about the show. Maybe you're having a drink at a bar or something like that, someone's like, hey, what do you do? And then you try to explain it and they don't know what you're talking about. You can send them to my podcast. That would be fantastic. Or maybe you have uh, some childhood friends you haven't talked to in a while. You're stalking uh, maybe an ex on Facebook or something like that. Let her know. Let him know about this Doug show. Really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time.